Darren Morgan wrote and directed a new X-Files, so we put our squatching on hold to talk about it with you. It's The X-Files, Season 11, Episode 4, The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat, right here on AfterBlab TV, and everyone knows that's what it's always been called. I'm Fox Freakin' Mulder, you punks. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. How you feeling, guys? Feeling squatchy? Yeah, I've been squatching for yes. a few weeks now. He's squatching it up. Frank, you didn't wear your mossy squash suit tonight, and I'm very disappointed. Well, it's only because I don't want to make the the engineers or anything have to do a lot of extra cleaning. I mean, that does shed. This very sheds quite a bit. Yes. All right. Hi. Welcome back to ABTV X-Files, the only place where you can hear Frank Moran grouse about how unhappy the show makes him week to week. <laughs> I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, And with me are... I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet, since there is only one. I am said grouch, Frank Moran. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. All right, all right. I don't mean to pick on you unduly. Uh, so I, right off the bat, how do we feel about this episode? I know where I come down, and I come down uh, uh, very, very positively on it. But what about you guys? Oh, I loved it. This is actually one of my favorite episodes ever already. I mean, the Reggie character, just so many moments in this episode were wonderful. All right, all right, Frank. I, you, I knew it. I uh, I am a huge fan of a lot, of a lot of Darren Morgan's episodes. Oh, no. Mm. What? I felt about what? this What's how coming? I felt about The Last Jedi, where I was excited because it's like, hey, it's, it's going to be a, a, a creator that I really enjoy. I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing. And You're about to hurt me twice, aren't you? I just came out of there not hating it, but also but just feeling meh. I was just like, ah, it just it didn't it didn't it didn't hit me uh, as uh, and resonate with me as much as uh, other Darren Morgan episodes have in the past. Interesting. Okay, so we've got one resoundingly positive response, Lucretia. You say you would rank it in your favorite of the entirety of X Files, not just this new revival. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was brilliant. It was very poignant in the time. And two, I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. So the beginning of this yes. episode, I literally go, oh, my God, they're doing Twilight Zone. There's something. And I was so excited. And even my mom, who, you know, loves X-Files a little bit, was like, oh, this was really good. Like, we enjoyed it so It's much. not a window. Yeah. It's a mirror. <laughs> so, Frank, you seem to be coming down. Are, would you say negative or, or just hard meh? I mean, I, I, hard math. It's not negative at all because certainly I admire his ambition and what he wants to do with the show. And I mean, there are some moments that are enjoyable to see in there, but overall, I just kind of you know, I, I'm thinking about the. Uh, and certainly, it was a re, reconfigured script from Cole Jack, the Night Stalker, that he did for last season. Um, Mulder and Scully meet the Wehrmacht. Exactly. Uh, that that was probably. Oh, it's been a while since I've watched like Clive Bruckman or anything like that, uh, or uh, Jose Chung from Outer Space. But, uh, like, that just, man, for, especially for the last season, which has kind of disappointed all of us uh, to a large extent, just in terms of what, what the episodes were like. That was such a, man, that hit all the right notes just for a Fox Mulder arc inside an entire episode. Yes. Uh, pretty unanimously, unanimously considered to be the high point of last season. And there was just an emotional point with, with Fox that, uh, that, that, or with Mulder that I just really enjoyed at the end of that episode that I felt like, yes, this is, this is worth seeing this revival for just for this really kind of, like, you could have ended the whole series just on that. And would have been a nice kind of a conclusion to Fox's journey, but this I, I just I, I wanted I wanted to love it, and I just was like, yeah, okay. Well, wh- let's work our way through the episode, and maybe we yes. can figure out where the disconnect 
came and, in. And Miss Bubbles points out, oh, Frank looks sad. And I said, well, Frank always looks like that. That's true. Yeah. 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 Poor, poor Permanent, Frank. A resting sad face. Yeah. That's what they call me. All right, so we open after this cold open, which is this scene from this uh, b- possible uh, Lost Twilight episode called The Lost Martian. We open with Mulder coming in in his mossy squatching <laughs> suit. And I love, okay, how happy did this make? Frank, this at least had to have made you a little happy, just a grin, a smirk, an upturned corner of the mouth. Oh, no, for sure. But uh, what's great about what Darren Morgan does with especially with Mulder's characters, he certainly just goes to the extremes and, and really tweaks uh, Mulder's passions. And it's cool to see uh, reactions and enthusiasms that he have kind of amplified. And I love, like, his... Oh, freaking Mulder, you punks! <laughs> yes! yes. Uh, Steve in the booth. Hello. Shout yes. out to Steve in the booth. <laughs> hey. uh, so, but I love, I love right up to. Okay, so one aspect of this episode that I actually really enjoyed in context, but I'm curious to see how we'll all feel about it in a handful of years is the really. It's not subtext. The the very uh, textual references to the current state of uh, United States and global affairs. I enjoy though right off the bat, Mulder establishes that he went out squatching. To just take a break, decompress. Like, this is what he does to relax. This is his going and taking a jog now, is yeah. putting on the moss suit and squatching. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. Like, he wanted to take a break from all of the all, all of the hubbub in the news, that you know, all of the, the Trumpy business. Yeah, and I love how, you know, he's telling Skelly the story he's told her a million times before. And even she just, like, <laughs> hangs up the phone. <laughs> and that's just so Mulder. Is Mulder really loves this stuff. And he does it in his spare time as well. Yeah, yeah. that was a delight. You know it was, yeah. Frank. No, no, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, what Darren Morgan wanted to do, do this episode, especially after last season, it was great to have the revival and kind of look back about what made the X-Files great. But he also said for this season, if we're doing this again, that we need to do something that really addresses to what society and culture is like today. Absolutely. At the same time, layering in a huge number of very specific <laughs> nods to the greater mythology, uh, one of the first being the X in the window. Loved it. Which, of course, was the communication system uh, by which uh, Mulder communicated with Mr. X in seasons two through four, I believe, is when, spoilers, Mr. X died. Uh, don't, don't, don't. And he goes to meet uh, a man he's never seen before <laughs> in this parking garage and i had a moment i watched this episode twice i had a moment the first time i watched it through where it struck me how many secret meetings they've held in the exact same garage where numerous parties have uh, descended upon them to end their lives clearly this is not a secure spot to have clandestine meetings and yet for several decades for now the better part of 30 years this same parking garage over and over and over I would actually like it to them being there to, to meet somebody and then they see somebody else. Are, are we here to meet you? No, I'm waiting also to meet somebody else. Just that many people yeah. use this as a location to meet uh, for clandestine meetings right there. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt your clandestine meeting. It's like a park. We'll, we'll go down. <laughs> we'll go down. Right. Yeah, it's like a city park. <laughs> yep. We'll go for down sure. a, few more, a few more rows and we'll meet there. So uh, Mulder talks to this man who identifies himself as Reggie and he's played by Brian Husky. Lucretia, you're you're a Brian Husky fan. Oh yeah, like he's literally in everything I enjoy, whether it's like Children's Hospital or uh, his brief stint in This Is the End, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, he's just a really good character actor. Where you can't always place his name, but you see him in everything. Who is he in This Is the End? Okay, so whenever they, you know, the world is already ending, and he's like the first person to knock on James Franco's door, and then they basically just watch him get eaten. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, I'm not a rapist. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I would not have. I I would not no. have uh, been able to pull that. That's right. Yeah. Yes, Husky. 
Yeah. Are you are you team Husky? He's literally I enjoy, in everything. I enjoy yeah. Brian Husky. He's great. I enjoy yeah. Brian. He's even he's so rich. He can't even endorse uh, Brian Husky with an open, full, flowery heart. No, no, he's great. If you uh, if you uh, enjoy podcasts, Matt Besser does his Improv for Humans. He's on there a lot. Is he? He's, uh, he studied at UCB. He knows a lot of the UCB players, so he does a lot of improv over there, and he's very entertaining. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Yes. I paid a compliment. There you go. We have some nice things. Some nice things were said on this day. Let it be known far and wide, mark it into a mountain. So Reggie and Mulder have this conversation, and Reggie alludes to this idea that he's being erased. And he references Mulder's favorite Twilight Zone episode, The Lost Martian, and drops this bombshell on Mulder that your favorite episode does not exist. Mulder argues that it must. He's got this uh, profound sentimental attachment to it. Uh, which he later explains to Scully. And we get uh, one of the most gloriously nightmarish visuals in the entire history of the X-Files, which is David Duchovny's grown man head on a child's body. I, I loved, loved that. Yes. Yeah. I loved it, too. I'm terrified. I don't, know, I don't know where in my brain to put such an image. But that's what I like about Darren Morgan and, and these like those little bits like that. That is entertaining. Just a, a different way of kind of contextualizing and, con- and conceptualizing a, a flashback or memory. And I mean, and this whole episode is like I, what I'm always kind of psyched about is a lot of his episodes deal with uh, memory perception. Uh, and so I'm always intrigued at how he kind of approaches that. And he comes up with a lot of different ways to kind of get into those kind of uh, subjects. I, you know, I just. Wish just I, I wish I would love this one as much as I have had previous ones that he's done. Would you have liked it better if it was the exact same script, but everyone had their regular head on a child body? Well, how could yeah. that not be better? Wouldn't yeah. that be okay? Look, I know that this is probably the last run of the X Files, certainly as we have known it since its inception. But if you guys ever do any more, including a theatrical feature length motion picture. Adult heads on kid bodies. Yep. Think about it. Like nobody, nobody wouldn't be curious. Alternate universe. Alternate yeah. universe in which they've always had the kid bodies and everybody knows that they've always had the kid bodies. So Mulder, of course, is very distressed at the notion that he dreamed up, misremembered the existence of his favorite episode. He uh, gets very incensed when Scully insinuates that he may have gotten it mixed up with The Outer Limits. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because in my family we've had those same discussions. So, like, usually it is like, was that Twilight Zone or Outer Limits? Because, you know, they were both, they're very similar shows in a way, but they are very distinctly different. And there is usually one person, Jared, who gets offended (laughs) when you suggest that he mix them up. No love for Night Gallery? Oh, yeah, that was a good little spinoff there. (laughs) That was... Nice well, as yeah, well. It was, it was very short. Like, yeah. I mean, it was Rod Serling as well, but yeah. Uh, so Scully then has her own uh, impromptu clandestine meeting with Reggie, who she's able to mark from his forehead sweat, mm-hmm. who passes off to her a box of Goopo ABC, a wonderful uh, cherished treat from Scully's childhood, wherein you'd mold the jello and it would create three layers mystifying even the the brightest minds around the planet. Wow. This is not the first time this season that we've uh, had them encounter some sort of food item and want to open an X-File on it. And within the same exact scene, the line that Scully has about this wonderful poetic line about the lime goopo tasting like leprechaun taint yep. mm-hmm. reminded me very much of her line 
in the same muffin scene from two weeks ago where she says it's so delicious she doesn't care if it fell out of an alien's butt. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what this signifies, but I, I enjoy it. I love that Scully's become a little bit of a potty mouth. I like that. Yeah, yeah. alien butt, leprechaun yeah. taint. Yeah. Because they say it's a, a ticket for like Jello one two three. Yes. I've never had... Yeah, does, I didn't even know this was a thing. I'm yeah. like, what? Does Jello one two three really exist? Yeah. I, I, I should have Googled that to see if, the, if that was true. Yeah. It's entirely I, possible I it didn't. I Google it. Jello one two three might be the Shazam of desserts. Yeah, I thought that was so funny because I'm like, funny. that was a movie. <laughs> well, so, okay, so yeah, at this point, uh, he passes off the box to her and she searches his prints but can't find anything in the system. And so Mulder and Scully have this conversation about the Mandela effect, which is essentially a collective misremembering of events. So named because of this, this shared false memory of Nelson Mandela apparently dying in prison in the 80s, when in fact he lived until... 2013. What's interesting is this year we've had I, Tonya come out, and that is something that most people misremember, uh, you know, egregiously often in cases. I mean, to the point where, I mean, so many people thought she did it. I mean, it continued to ruin her career when, you know, for all intents and purposes, whether you've seen the movie or know the story or not, she really did not a lot of people believe she actually physically hit nancy kerrigan which was never true and a lot of and two most people didn't realize it was somebody else like that did the whole act so that's why i find it interesting that they didn't go the harding yeah Yeah, i thought it was a really weird i thought that was a great movie i thought it was a weird call to Hmm. put her in the whole harley costume at the end and have her swing the bat multiple times like if you hit somebody that many times she'd be dead and that didn't happen yeah, and apparently Jello One Two Three was a thing. Yeah, it no went from sixty nine to ninety six. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jello One. <laughs> Steve, oh look, there's a picture. Steve, oh, have yeah. you ever had Jello One Two Three? Nope. Me neither. Did you even know Jello One Two Three was a thing? I uh, kind of, I you know, it's like I kind of remember as if I did, but I wasn't around back then, so it's kind of weird, you know. It, I mean, when it when it uh, was properly prepared, it solidified into three distinct layers: a creamy top, a mousse-like middle, and a regular Jello bottom. All right, so essentially, Goopo is is the same is the same thing. Much yeah. like there yeah. is there is a Kazam. Yeah, I yes, think there is. Oh, yeah, I think I've, kill, no. I think I've yeah. seen it, but now I don't know what I can be sure of. What? Yeah, I, it, there is a Kazam and there is a Shazam. I don't Those believe there's a, half of this. I think might be true. I do not believe there is a Shazam. The, no, the I, one with I, the one with Sinbad, Sinbad. I do not believe actually I'm, happened. I swear it did. I'm going to prove it. If oh. Sinbad shot. A trailer on his iPhone and uploaded it himself that doesn't Yeah, because I count. remember Simbad being in a movie that was similar to that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and Frank's just like watching no. you search now. This is great. This is I great. was like, because uh, yeah, I'm like, and then it'll prove so, that that really is a thing. Well, while, you, while you're searching for that, Frank, you and me, you and me, yes. we're going to forge forward. Look at my ass legs. I'm looking at them. There you go. Were they always there? No, they weren't there. No? No. I believe you. Oh, thank you. So, so uh, per their discussion of the Mandela effect, both Mulder and Scully meet no. with... No? Yeah. No, it doesn't like, exist. Um, and I could have swore that there was a Sinbad movie where he was a stupid genie. You're, the, you're thinking a, of the one where Shaquille O'Neal is a stupid, stupid genie. genie. Uh, I, That's yeah, the one he makes it rain. Yeah. the Happy Meals or something like that. Yeah, there you it's go. So weird. The Christian and just he had turns the, the he turns exactly. the dude into a basketball and dunks him because he's magic, mm-hmm. but he's, he's, he's also Shaq. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, see yeah, that see, there is at least a poster. That. Yeah. Although now, and maybe this is the point. 1996, by the way. A wow. d- 
the same year Jello that Jello one two three was discontinued. Was discontinued. Coded messages. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Oh, what were we, what was we in um, talking? Good Burger. Good, he was in Good Burger. Yeah. And right. in Kazam, Good Burgers rained from, from the, the sky. sky. So these are related. Yeah. You, those, you're talking McDonald's uh, Happy Meal Burgers, considered Good Burgers? That kid seemed real happy. Oh, yeah. yeah, so they're Good Burgers. All right. So both Mulder and Scully <laughs> yes. now meet with Reggie in this parking garage. And they talk once again about the Mandela effect. And Mulder reiterates almost verbatim exactly what he said a scene or two prior I suppose, for the benefit of the audience, so we're all really clear on what the Mandela effect is going forward. Reggie corrects him, says it's the Mengele effect, Mm -hmm. uh, based on, did I have this right, a shared belief that Joseph Mengele made it all the way to Ohio into, uh, what, the 80s or the... Yeah. Yeah. Right? And was apprehended there, There. which... Never happened. Never happened. As far as we know. As far as we know. But what do what do you know, Frank? I, it's true, guys. There's yeah, <laughs> your minds have been erased. That, yeah, like um, Shazam has been erased. Uh, <laughs> so, so Reggie, in his in this bid to convince Mulder and Scully of the veracity of his story, tells them about what, the the day he became aware that something was very wrong in his relationship to his reality, and he was looking for books uh, by an author named Doctor Wuzzle, presumably. A not-so-subtle nod to Dr. Seuss. Seuss. They wanted it to be Dr. Seuss, but they couldn't get the rights cleared. But was, okay, so was this spelling of Dr. Seuss ever uh, widely disputed? I know the Berenstein versus Berenstain Bears yes. was a thing. So it was, uh, but he felt, uh, Darren Morgan felt that that reference might be too old for people. I see. Dr. Seuss might be more a universal appeal, so everybody didn't understand that. But then he would just change yes's disease in this case. Okay, got it. So, Dr. Wuzzle, spelling, different confused he talks to the shop owner and the shop owner says he's looking for more of these books shop owner says well that's something that people might actually want so we don't have any of those but you might be interested in something in what he calls the political shame section and now i know uh dr seuss did for a time uh well before his uh his his rise in the the cat in the hat universe um he did do a, a number of political cartoons at a certain point he did so we're still piggybacking off of the real man's mythology my favorite part of this little piece of the episode though can you can you guess can you guess what my favorite element of this entire yeah. scene is what is it what is it Lucretia? the nixon poster, the nixon poster is delightful oh yeah i like took a picture of it i was like i have to remember this forever there's a did you frank did you not catch this I don't know if I did. There's a Richard Nixon poster uh, on the back wall, framed in the two shot, framed directly between the two of them. A big picture of Richard Milhouse Nixon smiling, and it says, "You can't lick our dick." And and below him, Nixon. Nah, there you go. That's it. Just a nah. Nah. Yeah, you're yeah. not. Why are you not dancing? I laughed forever. <laughs> I went back to make sure that was what it said. I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. I found it interesting though that that Scully had a tough time like understanding the concept of lawn darts. Yeah. Well, it is really stupid. Like to think that that was something they marketed to kids, considering how obviously dangerous it is. And every show I grew up with would make fun of how dangerous they were. But I had this moment when that happened, and it occurred to me that while I've definitely heard lawn darts referenced as existing at multiple points in my life, never seen one. You've never seen a lawn dart before? I've never seen... uh, Not not until I saw that poor shopkeeper's impaled head. Yeah, I've seen them only on TV. They give those to children? 
They, they used to. I mean, it was yeah. always a big thing. If you throw them around, your parents would yell, like, don't stand near where we're playing or they'll, like, impale your head. Because the idea is you just whip it super high up in the air and then let it hopefully arc down and land. Yeah, kind of like a horseshoe. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, I, we had horseshoes, but I grew up in Texas. That's and, incredible. Young people yeah. can't even be trusted with Tide Pods now. <laughs> yeah. We were throwing around uh, metal daggers. What happened to us, Frank? Yeah, when was the last time you saw a metal slide? In a playground. Because yeah, they as, burn children where I come from. That's true. Yikes. Uh, it's, it's but so but Mulder does comment, right? He, he, they were made of uh, sterner stuff when he was, when he was mm-hmm. that age. When yeah. he was five and had a grown man's head <laughs> on true. a child's body. Jay473 uh, in the chat said he played when he was a kid in the 90s. Yeah. Huh. So they still yeah. had him then. I was a kid in the 90s and I don't remember them. Yeah, I was a lot of I'm not, I'm not matches, disputing not these, that they exist. But I possess no such memory. Maybe I'm being phased out of existence. I think so. Uh, We also get them watching uh, the video about Dr. They as well, too. And I do like (laughs) uh, Reggie's comments about... You were reading, uh, people are commenting on this this video. Yeah, yeah. So, so Thaddeus Q. They is a fellow who's discovered a way to manipulate collective memory. So he was working on Operation Soy Bomb. By the way, the mm-hmm. Soy Bomb conspiracy is a real thing, or at least the conspiratorial conversation on the internet surrounding the Soy Bomb business is a real thing. And he made astronauts forget home, so I guess the space missions wouldn't be so taxing on them emotionally. And he was fired for making them think that they were chimpanzees. He does work for Mysterious Parties Unknown. Uh, he was in a movie called Cublam, and he was last, this is my favorite part, he was last seen at the 2017 inauguration in the very last seat available at the very top of the Washington Monument because in this version of reality, there were so many people at Trump's inauguration, he couldn't find anywhere else to stand. Isn't it fun how everyone just creates their own reality now? That's what I thought was interesting about this episode is because I know plenty of people that they don't live in my reality. <laughs> but isn't that that's that's the part of this episode that I think made it work for me beyond something very it, it would have been fun regardless. Uh, and I'm very curious to see how the very specific relevance to things happening right now age. But that I, in large part is what grabbed me a lot harder than I think this episode would have otherwise. I mean, it's interesting that if somebody refutes what you say that, you know, seems to be the truth or is the truth, uh, and they say, no, that's fake, uh, to them, they've created a reality where, no, that, that, that does not exist. And so as time goes on, uh, those become two dueling uh, perspectives on an incident, and who knows how history looks back on that. Well, because we have a term now that I hear a lot that is your truth, not the truth and it's a little disturbing to me because it's like uh, the truth the truth is the truth there is absolutely such a thing as an objective truth and that's what the truth is whether or not we are in possession of that truth the notion that truth is now completely uh it's just it's just amorphous it's not solid it could be whatever anybody wants it to be in any given moment is genuinely chilling to me yeah and that's why i like this episode is because it really was relevant and actually i you know was interviewed for the scientificparent.org a few weeks ago for the scully effect on you know my thoughts on x-files and more about you know scully's uh revelation about william but we did discuss how you know the truth and your truth uh, towards the end of the interview so it's interesting how this then came up in the show right there is just the 
truth. However, we live in an age now where this unprecedented access and dissemination of information that we find in front of us has also led to a massive flood of intentional disinformation. And of course, that only that only exacerbates the problem of being able to figure out what the truth is. Oh, mm. what, what just, know. what just, oh, mm-hmm. is that what that was? I think so. Was, I was like, did somebody pee? What happened? <laughs> did somebody uh, pee? But, okay, so, but we, we will hit more uh, directly some of these ideas uh, a little bit later in the episode. Reggie, though, from this video, latches on to the fact that Dr. They worked in Granada, <laughs> which is where he claims that he saw an alien years and years ago. I love this flashback a great deal. Uh, Largely because of the alien, this alien who only speaks telepathically, quite enjoyed his protestations as he was being carried away. This very passive, ah, no, (laughs) ah, that's it, that's all I got. This nice deep baritone voice, too, which I enjoyed. And I love how it's just a lost Martian looking alien. They didn't even try to get like a different one. They're like, nope, we're just sticking with this. And then Reggie, Reggie drops the biggest bomb on them so far. Which is that he's he, been there all. He, not only that, he started the X Files <laughs> and was their partner. And then we kick into this absolutely wonderful montage of R- Reggie at this moment, known only as Reggie something, cut back into some of the most <laughs> iconic episodes from the run of the entire show. That's what I love is they just put him in there. Like, that's so fun. Like, when it's just goofy little, you know, How I Met Your Mother did a bit with this before and, and it's just funny. It's like, oh no, they were there the whole time, yeah. And we see they actually did something like that on um, the Wet Hot American Summer on yes. the when they did 10 years later. They yeah. introduced two new counselors and they said, oh, we've been here the entire time. And then you cut back to scenes from the original movie and it just pans ever so slightly. And there they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was interesting because Darren Morgan said that these are kind of uh, these clips were kind of saved to the last minute in the script because he was kind of he was going through a flurry of DVDs, just going to spinning through them, going fast. Like mm-hmm. they could fit in there. Nope, they couldn't fit in that shot. They couldn't fit in that shot. Uh, and they kind of settled on hopefully what he thought were at least some nice iconic moments from uh, a collection of episodes that a lot of fans would resonate with. Well, and apparently they picked that first clip is from the episode Unusual Suspects, where I guess you're flashing back to the air from remembering correctly to the point at which Mulder meets the lone gunman. And he has a phone call with somebody named Reggie. Yes. And they decided that I, whatever the name of that person he calls was, was going to be what they called this character. And then they realized there was actually some other character that that name referred to that popped up very briefly early on in the show and they just decided to ignore it maybe because he never existed exactly but we get in this montage we start with uh, unusual suspects and then we move into the pilot where he calls scully uh sugar boobs yeah yeah, it was yeah. the 90s. Yeah, yeah but I don't know. I, maybe this is kind of part where it kind of threw me. It's like I love the idea of putting it in there, but I felt like some moments like that, that like the, the sugar boobs moment didn't just land with me. I felt like if you're going to insert them in there, which I think is a funny idea to do, to have it seem like it just seemed like it also weird for him to always be like the, the weird like out, out, just cutting up a joke in every single one. I feel like it would I would have sold it more. I would have probably enjoyed it more if it would have felt like oh, Reggie could have been a viable member. Right. Of this X Files thing, I mean, the fact that we're going to such a painting him as such an extreme character that for sure nobody's going to really buy this. I, I don't know. I just maybe that part that those flashbacks didn't quite land with me as strongly as I wanted them to. 
Uh, see, I just felt icky about sugar boobs. <laughs> it just, yeah, it was, yeah, just like, it, yeah. It was odd, but like the fact that this character is clearly a weirdo, and and you're like, yeah, this isn't real. Like that was why I was like, okay, it's kind of funny. We see him comment yeah. on tombs being super creepy. Yeah. Uh, we flash back, of course, to Clyde Bruckman's final repose, which is one of the greatest <laughs> episodes in all of television. Yeah, I think that's fair. Most yeah. Uh, Tessa Dos Bichos home. Uh, we. Get a yes. nice close-up on Mrs. Peacock. Uh, and Small Potatoes, which, okay, the choice of Small Potatoes is awesome because you have – it's the shapeshifter episode. And it's that moment where originally uh, in the episode as broadcast, Mulder bursts in to discover a Mulder doppelganger mm-hmm. making the moves on Scully mm-hmm. when, in fact, it is Reggie in Reggie's purported version of events <laughs> who bursts in. The shapeshifter, if you recall, was played by Darren Morgan, writer and director of uh, The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. It is uh, wonderful in a trippy, meta, weird, uh, like uh, boxes and boxes and boxes type way. Uh, Darren Morgan is in this version of events shot and killed by yes. his own creation. Because wow. I, I mean, the idea of like playing with memory and what is true and what's not true, I think maybe would have been more fun, at least maybe to me, if those flashbacks had been more convincingly portrayed by Brian Husky, that they hadn't been so over the top where you're like, clearly we know this wasn't true. I mean, we know that because we watched the original series, but it's just like it just—it's so over the top that you know, like, yeah, this, there's no way that this could actually be a, a truth that has been suppressed or forgotten. Well, I mean, it could be because our, you know, truth could have been suppressed and forgotten if we were watching this episode. So, like, you know, it is a collective consciousness. Hmm. But uh, Judy Mulder brings up a good point. Reggie said, "There is no place for women here." That's a clear callback to the discussion about not having female writers in X Files. Like, I don't—they may not have dug that deep, but yeah, it's interesting. So here's yeah. something else that's interesting. Uh, if we're talking about uh, Reggie being a character that it's not always believable, maybe that he was actually there. <laughs> I didn't catch this, but somebody uh, with far sharper eyes than I have on the internet caught that two weeks ago in the episode This, when Mulder and Scully are scanning through all of the digital X files, you see a couple of badges in there, and one of them is apparently Brian Husky as Reggie. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So. Well, because at the end, Skinner does say, where are, where they, are taking they taking Reggie? Reggie? Yeah. I also, love that part. Just to jump to the very yeah. end really quickly, the low walk that Mitch Pileggi does <laughs> to see into the, the is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I want him to do that walk with an adult head on a child's body. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that'd be cool. Judy Mulder also brought up a good point earlier that politics aside, this was the swan song from Darren saying goodbye to the show and telling fans to do the same. I thought that was an interesting point, like, because it was sort of like wrapping up some of the X-Files mythology in a fun way, like as Darren would do. Yeah, and the yeah. show the show has been around since the very beginning of the 90s, and the show makes a very specific point about how the world has changed. The world as it exists today is not the world of the X-Files. There's almost no way to extend that premise in a believable way within the greater context of the world as it is. So what do you do with this premise except try and invert it? You almost have to at least gesture towards parody to be able to continue to wring mileage out of it. Because if you played it if you play it totally straight and non-winky, you end up with something like the current crop of mythology stuff. Yeah. True. I ask the thing is something to be said too about just uh, creators and creating something that's within a let's say a shared universe, but a, a you know a, a show that is shared by many writers. 
uh, that something that you create uh, for your one particular episode where you think like, I just kind of told that one story and it's done. Other writers can find something intriguing about either that character or some element of that story and use it and spin it off in directions that you had no intention of ever considering. So you're, I mean, interesting like that along with comic books, curators can take other people's intellectual property of sorts and just kind of spin them off in ways that the original creator didn't have any really uh, real intention of doing. True, very true. I mean, it, but that also almost becomes necessary if you're going to keep a show around this long, especially if you're going to bring a show back once it's been uh, uh, tucked away for a good long while. I feel like it, you have to do something. You have to, you have to spin it as hard as you can. Yes, agreed, Frank. Well put. Well, I mean, agreed, but also I think it's by both parties. Like one, the, the original creators got to realize, like, do, I'm giving my, my, this this story and these characters to this larger mythology of sorts. So I've got to be okay with somebody else taking these characters and doing something I may like have disagree with. Right. But I've got to be okay with just letting it go and not really uh, holding on to that baggage. Hey, it's a lot like The Last Jedi in that way, Frank. <laughs> it's meh. It was a meh movie. And you, gotta, and you just got to sometimes be okay with it. Yeah. You, you got to change is, change is scary, but it's, but it's all right. Uh, change is fine. It just, please execute it better so I'm more you entertained. You didn't really, you did it when they were like back to back and they were like, come here, red dudes, bruh. Nothing. Yeah, no. uh, Frank, you, are you, why do you hurt me like this? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So... <laughs> They ha- uh, uh, Reggie has to bail pretty suddenly because once again they are beset by uh, assailants, unknown assailants, who reveal themselves in short form to be FBI agents who uh, do nothing in the scene except aggressively throw shade at Mulder. Yeah. And Mulder, as you may imagine, doesn't take this particularly well. No. No. Who I am? I'm Fox Mulder. I was fighting the power and breaking conspiracies before you saw your first chemtrail, you punks. <laughs> I'm Fox freaking Mulder, you punks. I'm Fox Mulder. Fox Mulder. And that is now yeah. Frank's ringtone. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I'll have you know. I mean, Mulder's ringtone is the X-Files theme. <laughs> so Mulder, Mulder drives himself a little bit crazy trying to come up with a solution to this quandary that isn't parallel universes. Which, which is which course, he wants it to be parallel. He really universes. does. Clearly, yeah. very much wants it to be parallel universes. Yeah. And Scully keeps trying to convince him, as is her want, that this is not something completely sensational or otherworldly. It's just people misremembering stuff. And he's trying to come up with a, a solution that isn't a parallel universe. And he gets a call from Doctor They, and he goes and meets Doctor They, who's played by uh, Stuart Margolin, an actor I think probably best known for his work on The Rockford Files. That's right. And he okay so. I really, really, really enjoyed this entire conversation. Uh, Dr. They essentially pitches Mulder this idea. His platform is going to be phony fake news, which is uh, he's talking about this idea like we were talking about earlier, this idea that we live in a time now where like the, the most powerful people in the world are no longer worried about keeping their secrets all that secret because if they come out, they're so big and so sensational that people won't believe them so it's essentially taking real information and presenting it in such a way that no one will buy it it isn't real fake news you, you with yep. me yeah you got it i got it you're tracking it i'm tracking it like you sure i'm positive what do you know frank uh well uh i mean star wars last jedi was just kind of meh I know you ju- that. now you're just trying to hurt me on purpose <laughs> yeah. why are you doing this why are you doing this to me so are we sure he's really doing it though i mean i mean that yeah. trip to the gambling planet yeah. come on lex anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so he t- he's talking about how we live in a post cover-up post conspiracy age again speaking to the notion that maybe the era in which fox Mulder and the x-files were most effective is no longer the era that we live in. Again, talking about 
people just believe what they choose to believe now. Well, when you have the, even before he talks to Dr. They and you've got uh, Mulder and Scully talking in the office and they bring up the birther thing and it just seems so weird to the X-Files in a world where we also have this birther thing. Like, oh, I kind of lost my taste for this after the whole birther thing. Right. And and again, it, it, how what is that premise in a world that exists now? And that I think is it's a great, especially again, if this is going to be Darren Morgan's final jab at X-Files. Like what what fascinating ground to tread. Lucretia. Yeah, because that is the thing, is where do you go from there when we pretty well live in a conspiracy? I mean, right. yeah, like, we are not even sure what's real anymore because, we, you know, we're the media and, you know, the art, just so many different news outlets are reporting the same thing, saying different results. I mean, it's literally insanity. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So, so, all right, but, but. We have to we have to light a candle and not curse the darkness, and that is exactly what Dana Scully does. Dana Scully does her homework like she does. She applies her Google brain to the research, parses the facts, and discovers that Reggie is one Reginald Murgatroyd. Mm-hmm. Lays out his entire biography. Uh, he was uh, regular. He was a low level government employee who worked for the post office. Then he rose up through the ranks. He went IRS. Uh, he went SEC to DOJ to CIA to DOD to NSA. He knows everything he knows about Mulder and Scully because he was be- he was illegally wiretapping them. Uh, we get a really super dark drone strike joke in the middle of this montage. Yeah. Oh. The, the shooting of the, the execution of those scenes was really interesting. Just like the same kind of cubicle, just kind of re- uh, just changing. Like, yeah, uh, I love that, Frank. That was Loved really nice. It. Just uh-huh. a, a visual shorthand for the idea that these are all, uh, no matter the nature of their work, very much company jobs. Yeah, which also super chilling. Yeah. Yikes. Well, my my mother did work for the U.S. Attorney's Office, and uh, yeah, they really are listening to us. I mean, I don't think people realize. I mean, especially after nine eleven and the Patriot Act and all that, that got way worse. Oh no! Like, I don't yeah. want to sound. I don't want to sound yeah. like tinfoil hatty, but yeah. you, you notice, like, if you have a smartphone, you notice how you'll be. First of all, you know, if you have a an iPhone, you can with your voice call up Siri whenever you want to. So mm. it's always listening to you. But also, you notice when you're talking about something, you have a conversation about some product, some company, whatever, occasionally the personalized ads you start seeing in your social media feeds will match things that you have been talking about and not searching for. Oh, yeah. When I used to be a helpful Honda person and would bitch about it to people on the phone about how terrible it was, there would be helpful Honda ads, not just on my phone and everything, but on Hulu as well. Even Hulu is listening to me, but it usually... Did you know... Technology can be bad. Frank, did you know? What do you know, Frank? (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, Judy Mulder brings up a good point in the chat. Fake news is the equivalent to those immortal words by Deep Throat. The best place to hide a truth is between two lies. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yikes. Guys, uh, everything is scary right now. So his ride shows up. Mr. Murgatroyd is going to be taken away for his own good, probably for the good of others as well. And he willingly puts on a straitjacket because he likes that it adds an air of classicism to the entire thing. (laughs) Mulder asks him to tell them about their last case as he recalls it. And we get we get Lucretia. Where does this rank for you? Is is, if you had to rank favorite scenes in this entire episode, where does Reggie's story of his last case with Mulder and Scully place for you? Well, specifically the part where Mulder is throwing a fit, definitely top five at this episode. Because yeah, I mean we we had to keep going back watching it. It was so funny. Frank, how much did you not like this? No, no, the (laughs) the concept was fine. I really want. I man, I wanted 
Yeah, I don't know. In terms of uh, of uh, Mulder uh, actions in a uh, Darren Morgan script, I wanted to love this more. It was fine. See, right away in this sequence, uh, Reggie's talking about like Mulder used his intuitive senses to locate where they had to go. <laughs> and you meet, you cut to the three of them in a car, and Mulder's just like, he's looking, he's moving his head back and forth as if he's a satellite. And two, it's like a 66 Mustang, I believe, and I'm a big muscle car person, so I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, alien, the alien from Granada has come back to return the Voyager to Earth, and he says, look, we've been here, we've seen you guys... We're good. We want nothing to do with you. We're giving you back your music sampler, but you can never come into space again. When they start laying into the whole kind of uh, paralleling Trump and the wall. A paralleling, like, quoting verbatim. Oh, yeah. Man. But honestly, so, so, okay, again, this brings me back to being of two minds when it comes to a lot of the very specific current references in this episode. I really i actually quite enjoyed it in context uh well and two it's not really out that side of that realm that this hasn't happened before i mean there was the berlin wall i mean the great wall of china all of these things were built with the same purpose in mind so this is an idea that comes up quite a bit in our civilization definitely not a brand new idea the words he uses however are are very specific yes like you're rapist you're not you're not sending your best people and we're sure some of you are very nice but the bottom line for for at least this alien biggest reason he doesn't want people of earth uh, extending beyond their soil is that they lie and i actually Mm -hmm. thought that was a really powerful idea that got to the heart of every concept every plate that this episode was spinning i thought in a really a really nice succinct way i also really enjoyed the bit of business with the alien scooter that yes. was yes, a nice little long hovercraft. In it. Yep. <laughs> and he says, okay, it, we never want you to leave your planet ever again. We don't even want you trying. Please, for the good of the rest of us, stay here. In exchange, we're going to give you a book containing <laughs> all of the answers to every question you'll ever have about anything. And I love that it says that right on the cover. You know all, what you're getting into. All the answers. And it's got all of the answers to everything in it, including even about bigfoot that's right yeah and what do they, what do they learn they learn that we're not alone in the universe and nobody likes us <laughs> Mulder, Mulder doesn't take this all that well but it seems to be less the answer itself and more the fact that there is an answer that he's deeply deeply unhappy with it seems so that he just wants to continue the search and can't handle losing losing what has been driving him for decades upon decades upon decades and he has a tantrum Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. Well, I mean, I guess that's the one thing. It's like when you're pursuing something, sometimes you don't want an answer because whatever you've built up in your head, the, the realistic answer may never match up to what you've got. And so. I'm Fox freaking Mulder, you <laughs> That's right. That's what you get. Uh, so Reggie's taken away. Skinner asks where they're taking Reggie, which again uh, bends us back in the direction of not being sure which version of reality we're operating in. And Mulder and Scully sit in front of a nicely molded uh, Bigfoot foot-shaped Goopo ABC. It doesn't look very good, but Scully seems super excited, like almost giddy to take a bite, and she stops herself, and she says to Mulder, I want to remember how it was. Takes a pause, and she says, I want to remember how it all was. And I don't know about you guys, I was not expecting this. That actually got me a little choked up. It felt like a very, very nice final statement uh, by Glenn Morgan as an author about 
X-Files and his journey with X-Files and the X-Files journey as a show from its inception to today. It actually got me a little bit, especially to, I think, I think we're all feeling that a little bit now. Yeah, I mean, especially with so many reboots and just everything like that, there's a part of, there is the part of you that wants more, but you also want to remember it fondly. Yeah, you know, because we even they're rebooting Murphy Brown and everything. Now, I, okay, which is they're, cool. they're rebooting. Like, yeah. I saw something about this on Twitter, and hmm. I went, "Is that that can't be? That's got to be fake news. That's got to be like that Dundee it's, thing. It's happening. Nope, no, it's the, happening. Yeah, Danny McBride posted a picture with Chris Hemsworth. Apparently, this has something to do with uh, like an Australian tourism thing. But for like a week, everybody was like Dundee folks, yeah. which then all of a sudden it could become a real thing, yeah. given uh, the public interest. How things you kind of will it into yeah. existence. It's just like how you came to be, Frank. That's yeah. right. I was willed into existence. If there wasn't people, a Frank Moran, we'd have to invent him. People regret this decision. So, all right. <laughs> that that brings us to the end of that episode. So, guys, uh, final thoughts about this one. I know, uh, Frank, you're a little bit more mixed than Lucretia, but let's try try to find it. Try to find, like, a little bit of, like, light and joy and, and goopo a- ABC in you. I thought I, I, I pointed out the parts that I had some light and joy about. I just, you know, I, I wish... I had been like, you know, was able to feel like kind of, I wanted to have that same feeling that you did by the end of the episode and have that, that last, last little line from Scully really just hit home. And it just, it didn't for me. You know, just, uh, I mean, there's some things I like in this episode and then there's some things that just didn't land for me. So that's why I don't hate the episode. Right. It's just a meh All episode. Right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I won't, I will do my best not to take this as a personal slight, Frank Moran. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Lucretia, final thoughts. Uh, this will go down in history as one of the best episodes of X Files ever. Swing back the yeah. other way. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Uh, I I am gonna I'm gonna come down at a nice a nice middle point. I really I really enjoyed this episode. I feel no. <laughs> how I really that, how's that really I the middle really, point? I no, was a I man. Really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I have to sit with it a lot longer mm-hmm. before I start thinking about like a best of all time i have to let it uh marinate within me a little bit also i'm going back now and rewatching a lot of the original series so i'm trying to stack it up against like stuff from season two at this particular moment um i will just say briefly what, what i like i've enjoyed these last three episodes been fantastic uh and then when we see next uh, teases for next week uh bringing william back into the picture yeah as much as it's nice to get some answers i'll I, i'm throwing back into the larger mythology does not excite me as much i'd rather have more standalone episodes like we've been having all right. Well, yeah. we, we'll see. I am. I for one am. I am eager to get a little bit more information about that character and that story. We've been aggressively teasing it now for a, for a year and a half. I'm curious to see if we're going to pay it off, and how. We'll be talking with you guys about that next week. But in the meantime, where can people find you guys online? Uh, send me your uh, meh thoughts uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Since I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. And I will be back on Supergirl this Monday now that I am here. And Supernatural on Sunday, Horror TV Weekly right after that, guys. So so I am finally here for you. And be sure to read the rest of that interview about the Scully effect on the scientificparent.org. And I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. I also do a podcast called Missing Out with Tari J. Miller. We talk about pieces of media that we found at different points in our lives that mean something to us that the other person has not experienced. We share stories about that media. We share stories about our lives. We share ourselves with you, and we have a lot of fun doing it. It's uh, on Twitter at Missing Outcast, and you can find it on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. Check it out. Uh, like us, subscribe us, rate us. We love you. Mwah. See you next week.
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. I'm Fox, Fox freaking Mulder, you punks. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 